It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors fall to the Miami Heat in a game that showed off the importance of having reliable point guard play. We'll dig into Dennis Schroeder's really, really tough night and whether or not now is the time to look at a starting lineup change. All with Jamar Hines coming up on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, December the 7th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's busted, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors on Instagram, and you can also join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. As always, I've been hyping up the Discord. It's a great place to be. It's my favorite place now to talk about the Toronto Raptors on the internet because the aforementioned website that's busted is no fun anymore. So come hang out. Link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join. Would love to see you join our little family over there on the Locked On Raptors discord server uh, as a reminder you can also find the show for free wherever you get your podcast subscribe follow rate review etc etc to support the show it's always appreciated when you do that we are also on youtube if you want to go and subscribe to the video version of the show each day hit the subscribe button then the little notification bell so you never miss an episode when it goes live uh as well today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. make every moment more right now new customers can get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and we will get started digging into a 112 103 loss to the miami heat on wednesday night a game that featured many runs, featured lots of really nice pockets of Raptors basketball, a couple awesome performances from Pascal Siakam 
an OG Ananobi, and kind of an insane spiraling meltdown by Dennis Schroeder late in this one, among other things, to cost them a chance at winning. Here, to break it all down with us, we're going to talk about the starting lineup, which was really, really bad once again, continuing a very long trend now. we got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up. Here to do it all is our pal Jamar Hines. Jamar, what's going on, pal? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to dive into the second worst game of the season. It's not worse than that Bulls debacle uh, <laughs> where they were up 17 with five minutes left and kept jumping at every DeRozan pump fake and lost in OT. It's not as bad as that. It's a close second in my mind, at least. Interesting that you have it uh, worse than the Portland Trailblazers game. That's uh, I know, I know, and I also company. thought about I also thought about that because um, Portland was winless going into that game, but <laughs> just how it was just the way that this game was lost and mm -hmm. the guys that were out with no hero, no bam. Mm -hmm. It just, yeah. I understand Miami's always, you know, heat coach or whatever. I always know that <laughs> I always understand that, you know, they're going to play you tough regardless, but just the way this game was lost more than the actual loss has me ranking it worse. Yeah, I think I'm with you there because it felt like a loss that could have been mitigated by a couple of decisions late in this game and a couple of, uh, you know, decisions not given over to Dennis Schroeder to make uh, down the stretch of this game as well. I did not love Dennis Schroeder's performance in this game. I guess that's where we can start. You know, this game, like I said, Pascal 34 and 6 on 9 of 13, 11 of 11 at the line, ashamed to waste that. OG. 23-8, I think a tied for a career-high six assists for him, 8 of 13, 5 of 10 from deep. You get like a perfect Gary Trent Jr. game, 15-2-2, two two, 3 of 7 from deep off the bench, and yet the game is lost because Dennis Schroeder just kind of has a meltdown in the last five or six minutes of this game, and Darko Ryakovich does not change anything, really. He comes late with the Gary Trent for uh, Jakob Pertl sub, which I don't think was really the move I would have gone for in that spot. I think it would have been pulling Dennis Schroeder as he was just having a really, really tough night on both ends of the floor. Uh, what was your sort of read on the Dennis Schroeder performance in this one? Uh, he leads the team in shots with 18. He goes four of 18 from the field, five assists, three turnovers, a minus six, which I don't think really does justice. What a tough game this was for the Raptors starting point guard. Well, you mentioned the last five, six minutes, but I'm gonna I'm pretty much thought it was the entire game, not just I mean, yeah, the whole game was also five, bad. We minutes. can we can say that for sure. <laughs> but I just felt that there were so many possessions where he just looked for his offense right away. Yeah. Even in the first half, he'd go down to court and then immediately try to drive at the rim. It's like no pass. Now the Raptors did have 29 assists in this game, but there was just a lot of times he was just not even initiating anything. He was just going beeline straight to the rim. And normally Dennis is a decent finisher. I haven't had a problem with him finishing at the rim this season. But this game, he was 3 for 11 in the paint. He was 3 for 8 at the rim. Um, and a lot of times, and I, I just hate this with players in general, where they try to draw the foul as opposed to And he did this on a couple of his drives. And mm -hmm. it's just like, if if that's all you're going to do on a possession is just barrel into somebody and try and draw a foul with like no passes, then what's the, what's the point? So there was, I'm, I'm going to save a particular possession with Dennis for, I'm already ruining this, but I'm going <laughs> to save a particular possession for Dennis for my bad later, later okay. in the game. Perfect. But yeah, it's just 
on a night where Pascal and OG, as you already mentioned, 30 and 23, so that's 53 points, each one of them only took 13 shots. Yeah. OG especially brought the Raptors back in the game. Because remember, the, the, the first few minutes were brutal. The Heat just kept making threes. Caleb Martin thought this was the Eastern Conference Finals all over again. And they were down 22-7. to 7. It took two Darko timeouts to kind of right the ship. OG goes on a personal 8-0 run, kind of you know, like brings the Raptors back in it. Pascal has it going for mid-range. Uh, he's drawing fouls. He even made a three, something he hasn't done a lot lately. And all of a sudden, the Raptors are up at halftime. Mm-hmm. And the game that, and it just, Miami didn't have that much going, especially when they went to their bench options. As, uh, aside from, um, uh, can't say the dude's name, from UCLA. Jaquez. I mean, Hawkins. Yeah. Aside from him, because, you know, he's been solid all season and he's, he's mm-hmm. a really good rookie. But they didn't have that much going on. This is a game that the Raptors if they just executed better, could have easily won by like 15 points. And that's why I had it ranked as the second worst loss of the season. And I just, on a night like this, it was just very frustrating for me to see Schroeder hijack the offense time and time again. And mm-hmm. I'm not even getting into the defensive parts because he had, you probably listed it in your list of things that he did wrong in the fourth quarter, but he had two possessions. <laughs> oh, yes. on, he had two, he had two possessions against, um, Duncan Robinson that basically ended the game. The one where mm-hmm. it was a three-point game and he had the closeout, if you can call it a closeout, where he just ran to the side and then Duncan Robinson easily sidestepped him and made the three, put the heat up six. And then he goes again with those one-man possessions, just go straight down the court, miss a layup. Cool. That's awesome. And then right after that, um, there's it's a little bit of action at the top. Dennis mm-hmm. falls asleep. Duncan cr- uh, cuts. Wide open layup, basically game over. So yep. just all in all, and I, I'm not trying to totally tear down Dennis's season. He's been he's been okay. He's had some games like he where he's been really good. I remember one podcast a few weeks ago where one of the commenter, one of the people commenting was like, "How come you guys are not giving Dennis more credit?" Mm-hmm. So he's had good games, but this a game like this can't happen when. No, it's just for okay. It, it would be different. I'm not saying that Dennis can never take 18 shots in a game. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a time and a place, and when you have two of your main options combine 53 points on 26 shots, this is not the time nor the place to take 18 shots. It's just not. Yeah, it was bad. It was, uh, you know, especially for a team that's trying to figure out what its long-term pieces are going to be around its burgeoning potential superstar in Scotty Barnes. You cannot have Dennis Schroeder who, look, we all know the deal here. He's a stopgap. You cannot have a stopgap taking up the helium in a game where the guys who actually might matter for the long-term outlook for this team are A, cooking, and B, have had stretches of the game where playing with one another with different sets of lineups without Dennis Schroeder on the floor we're bloody fantastic and got the Raptors back into it. I, I think, you know, I was disappointed from the lack of, of a hook for Dennis down the stretch by Darko. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. We're going to talk about the starting lineup coming up. Um, but this, yeah, just, and if it would be one thing if Dennis was offering like a lot of, you know, sort of resistance at the point of attack as a defender. He wasn't. This was a really, really bad defensive game from him. You mentioned the Duncan Robinson stuff, but the Heat were also just like spamming the switches of Dennis Schroeder onto Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler was feasting in those matchups. I have the numbers here. Dennis only guarded uh, Jimmy Butler for seven partial possessions in this game per the NBA.com box score data. 
And the Heat scored 19 points on those seven possessions. 19 points. Again, those numbers are always a little bit noisy, but that absolutely checks out and passes the eye test. And his overall defensive contributions of late have just not been there. He's not been that sort of pesky point of attack guy. He's getting hung up on screens. He's falling behind the play. His rotations have not been very good. I was looking at dunks and threes this morning, a great stat site, and they have Dennis as a negative 0.5 estimated defensive box plus minus guy. Uh, That's not good. He's in the same, the exact same figure as Damian Lillard and Lowry Markkinen and Sam Hauser, among other guys. Like he's not been a positive defender this season either. And you're seeing it all build up with the starting lineup issues. It's just been uh, a really, really tough scene. We're going along here, but I want to get to a thing I wanted to get to here. Uh, I just like wrote some notes down on Dennis Schroeder's fourth quarter. I just want to read off verbatim from my notes. Uh, There were four things here that I had. There were obviously more than that. I missed the Duncan Robinson cut uh, in my notes uh, because by the time I was done with this stretch of notes, I had thrown my phone across the room and was done writing notes on my phone because the game was cooked anyway. Uh, But here's what I have. This begins when the score is 97-92. The Raptors are threatening here. Uh, I have awful Dennis turnover, all in caps. Drives into traffic when he should have just swung it around the horn. Loads of space in the weak side for OG and Scotty. Misses Yak with a bad pass, turnover. Uh, that was the possession where Scotty even looked frustrated because he was on the weak side. And nobody guarding him. There are two quick passes away from a wide open three or Scotty driving against the, the shifting defense. And they don't get anything out of it because Dennis decides to plunge himself into the thicket of Miami Heat players waiting for him. More then I have possession later. Yeah. Then I have, this game is screaming for Gary over Dennis. Thank F, Dennis clanks a three, and it lands in Scotty's hands. Nice brick assist, 97-94. Then, OG, huge block on Butler. OMG, Schroeder duffs the layup the other way, dot, 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 dot. Then I have Dennis, dot, 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 dot. Insanely dumb closeout, gives Duncan an easy three. Then he F and bricks another layup. Uh, Lots of expletives in my notes from this stretch of Dennis Schroeder play. Not awesome. And it will inform our segment coming up, Jamar, as we're going to dive into the starting lineup, which was miserable last night. Minus 23 in 17 minutes. Is it now finally time to entertain a change for the starting lineup for Darko Ryakovich? We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however got to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to go check it out right now. As the weather gets colder, it's miserable outside. It stinks, but you can warm yourself up with those hot NFL offers over on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Maybe you want to go put a little money on Dennis Schroeder's under next time out because perhaps he'll be coming off of the bench. You can go do that. You can do same game parlays, you know, for all the different stats, points, rebounds, assists, etc., etc. Pick your players, pick the stats, and if you get them all right, you're going to win some scratch. You should go and do that right now over at FanDuel if that tickles your fancy at all. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic, the god of the game recap, recap is here as we uh, dive into the starting lineup conversation. Before that, just a quick reminder, Locked On Sports 24-7 is our 24-7 YouTube streaming channel. First of its kind with all of the national Locked On podcasts and the local shows covering the biggest stories around the sports world running 24 hours a day. Go subscribe and put it out of the background. When you're done watching Locked On Raptors, go just keep that stream in the background. Get all your sports info from all the local experts on the Locked On Network at Locked On Sports Today 24-7. Okay, Jamar, starting lineup. Want some numbers? Sure. Okay, like I said before the break, minus 23 in 17 minutes of action together last night. Not very good. Since November the 1st, which is all of the Raptors games except for four. Except for four. This is starts mm-hmm. with the game against the Milwaukee Bucks with the, where the Raptors win. But since November 1st, the Toronto Raptors starting lineup, minus 10.4 net rating. They have been riding the helium of a really good start, that Bulls game where they completely waxed the Bulls with their starters before OG went out. The starting lineup in the game against the Wolves was very good, of course, as well. They've been riding that number for quite a while. Minus 10.4 rating since November the 1st. That is really bad for your most used lineup, and that has brought them down on cleaning the glass to a minus 5 net rating overall for their most used lineup. You simply... Cannot have that. It's just not going to be a conducive setup to winning. Yesterday on the show, I talked about a little bit how we kind of overvalue maybe the starting lineup just in general conversations, maybe over closing lineups because closing lineups matter more. Uh, But the starting lineup has been so bad of late that it is now a thing to be worried about. It is a thing to place value on because it has been a nightmare. Uh, Do you think it is time for a change, Jamar? This is, I think, the third straight day we've talked about this, but it ain't going anywhere as long as this whole thing exists. I have my thoughts, but I'm curious, where are you at and where does Dennis Schroeder fall into that? Is it Jakob Pertl? Is it Dennis to the bench? What's your read on the starting lineup situation for the Raptors? I think, yes, it is time for a lineup change, and the first change I would make is swapping Schroeder for Gary. I would leave Pertl in for now, and see how that works out before I make before I do any further changes. But that would be the first change I would make. First of all, Gary's play is, you know, he had a rough start to the season, but he's Figuring playing more out. consistent. Yeah, he's playing more mm-hmm. consistent. He was bringing the Raptors back in the game after they uh, did the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing for the second time of the game in the third quarter where they had how many turnovers in a row, and they fell behind double digits again, and Gary made back-to-back threes, and all of a sudden it was only a three-point game going into the fourth. But, you know, Dennis has been okay as a as a three-point shooter, but Gary is a better three-point shooter and he would provide more spacing. And he would also that change would also put the ball in the hands of Pascal and Scotty more, who are your two best players. And there's I feel similar to when Fred was here, I feel like a lot of Scotty being just completely invisible sometimes over the yeah. first few quarters. This has a lot to do with who's initiating the offense and it not being him. Until he's playing with like a bench lineup or something at the beginning of of a fourth quarter and he gets himself into rhythm as he was trying to do again in this game. So I think that could be the solution to getting Scotty off to better starts because we've seen this for at least a season and a half now. And yeah, I just, I feel Dennis would probably be more free 
being more aggressive in, you know, leading the second unit. And also we're talking about a guy who's shifted from the starter to a reserve, like his whole career. He was the runner up for six man of the year in the year. Everyone's like, wow, him and Darko best buds. Like he was the six man on that team with the Thunder. thunder. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, he, he, he backed up Jeff Teague eventually took over for him as a starter. He was a backup with the Lakers was a backup with the Celtics. So, I mean, he even talked about it before, the season started about how he's comfortable playing in both roles. You're nine and 12. You just gave me the numbers on the starting lineup. It feels like a no brainer to me to make a change. Mm-hmm. I'm fearing though, that they won't because Darko, and this is a gift and a curse. He tends to give guys a lot of rope. Sure. You already saw it with Malachi Flynn. He didn't have a great start to the season, but he stuck with him. And then Malachi started playing better. By the way, only had six minutes last game. I mean, this game, it's kind of weird, but yeah, I just feel for that reason, he's just going to keep keep giving rope, although we all know the numbers, and it's just going to come as a detriment to the team. I will say, last night watching the post-game press conferences, Darko was asked about the starting lineup, and he did he not seem very committal to keeping this group together. Uh, he didn't you know, give them a vote of confidence or anything like that. He was basically, yeah, we got to look at what's going on and see if we can fix it. So I, I'm a little hopeful there that but, that was kind of a little glimmer of, okay, maybe a change is coming here. Um, and to that your felt point, like a, that felt like a diplomatic answer to me, though. I was like, yeah, we're gonna look at it. It, it didn't feel like you can read it both ways for sure. It, I think, had it been like, a, hey, this is our starting lineup and we believe in them type of thing, like that would be far more concerning to me, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, to your point about kind of having Scotty feel the ball, obviously, we've seen his energy kind of wax and wane a little bit in these games of late. You know, it's a typical fourth quarter Scotty breakout last night, that was fun to see. Um, but yeah, I think your point of just kind of getting the ball in his hands, that seems to be the thing to kind of unlock him a little bit, right? Even if, and I look, I don't think Scotty's long-term future is as a point guard for this team. I think it's as sort of a a do-it-all wing type who can kind of, you know, masquerade in all sorts of spots, but you have to see at least a little bit of, can he do this thing? Can he be the leading driving force of a functional offense? And there's no better time than right now to get that information as you have the clock ticking on Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and the decisions you have to make with those guys, not to mention Gary Trent Jr. as well. You got to see more of it. You just, I think it's, you owe it to yourself as a team. And right now it's not like Dennis is covering himself in glory as the creator in this offense. He's leading the team in touches at 79.7. I don't think you should be orienting this version of the team around Dennis Schroeder and what he's doing. I think it's just it's a miscalculation of what matters this season. What matters is the information gleaning from the guys who might be around three, four, five years from now around Scotty Barnes. You know, you have Dennis at 79.7 touches, Scotty at 74.9, Pascal way down at 62.7. They are uh dispersing those touches how you would want between Scotty and Pascal. But Dennis is kind of doing the thing that everyone thought Fred was doing last year, which was kind of dribbling the ball into the ground and ruining possessions by not creating offense. The difference was Fred had the capacity to hit 32-foot bombs at very important times of games while also not turning it over ever. Uh, and you're seeing the difference now between those two players. Right now, Dennis is uh, at 6.2 pick and rolls run per game per NBA.com. It's 38.3% of his touches. He's at 0.87 points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler. It's not very good. It's 51st percentile. Scotty Barnes is at 0.86 points per possession, which is down. I think it's like a season low for him uh, based on, I've been tracking that number quite a bit, just 2.8 possessions a game, 14.2% of his touches. He needs to run more pick and roll to see what him running more pick and roll 
looks like. It's too interesting and important a thing to get a look at, to not get a look at. And I think you open that up by moving him into the starting, moving into the starting point guard spot, bringing Gary in, giving him some space to work with and having Dennis move to the second unit. I also think it does a couple things to improve the overall game flow for Darko Ryakovich that he can lean on. You know, it moves Dennis to the bench. It probably bumps Malachi from the rotation in lieu of Otto Porter Jr. and Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, which I think is probably the right move for a team that's really struggled defensively of late. And Malachi Flynn, while he's had a couple nice games, has been very quiet of late too. I don't think he's like, you know, got an iron grip on a rotation spot. It gives you Dennis like free reign to run the second unit. And you can also shout out to Ben in the Discord for this suggestion. It also allows you to change your pattern in the first quarter where you can move Yak out at the six minute mark. Bring in either Gare or sorry, bring in either Otto or Boucher or Precious, go small with shooting and Scotty and Pascal and OG kind of running the show with a little more space around them. You can then pair them with Gary Trent Jr., Otto Porter Jr. Uh, Grady Dick, even if you can get him back into the rotation at some point here, pair those guys with shooters. And then all of a sudden you have like a basic standard spread pick and roll offense. You can run with your bench and that's probably going to cook against most other second units between, uh, the, the roll gravity of yak and Dennis getting downhill against lesser defenders and the shooting that's going to be around them. I think that's a valuable thing. Meanwhile, in the starting five, you open up Scotty Pascal pick and rolls a little bit more often. You know, the inverted versions of those where Scotty can pop or Pascal can, you know, be the short roll guy with Yak working in the dunker spot. Like that's been effective for them with Gary and, and OG spacing around them. It allows you to try a bunch of different stuff that is important stuff to see for this team. I, I think, like you said, it kind of feels like a no brainer to me. And my hope is that it's an easy conversation to have considering Darko and Dennis's histories. And again, we all know the deal here. Dennis is a stopgap. He's not someone who's going to be long for this team. You cannot make your decisions based on, well, Dennis wants to start, which I'm not saying is even happening, but I just think there's, there's no upside to keeping the starting lineup rolling right now. Their defense has slipped. They're not driving offense the way they were before. And I think, you know, maybe it spectacularly fails with Scotty Barnes as the lead point guard. But that's also important information to get too, right, Jamar? Yeah, yeah. And this is, you know, being year three, this is kind of what everybody wanted to see in terms of not just giving Scotty the keys per se, but mm -hmm. having him in different roles to see what works best. So there, even if Dennis didn't have the, the game or the stretch he's had lately, I would still want to see Scotty starting at point at some point just to see how it would look. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go into year four of these questions about, you know, can Scotty run an offense at the point, like on a, on a full-time basis or stuff like that. I kind of want to get those answers now, especially when the Raptors are under 500, you don't have to yeah. ask the question, Oh, is this going to affect winning for the next two weeks or something like that? Because they, they, they have, they're not winning like that. Mm -hmm. This would be the perfect time to just tinker a little bit. And I like that idea from um, Ben in the discord, especially, mm -hmm. you know, implementing going small and, you know, you don't ha have to have the same starting lineup. You could have a fluid lineup where there's changes. They even go back to the 2019 championship season. There were some games where JV started. There were some games where Ibaka started. It was matchup mm -hmm. depending. So you don't have to roll out the same starting five every single game. I don't believe in that. The Raptors starting lineup is the second most used lineup in all of basketball right now for clean the glass. That's crazy. It's not a good lineup. They're losing minutes quite handedly. Uh, they're in the 31st percentile of lineups and they're the second most used lineup in basketball. 
Yeah. It's noted as well. Uh, the number one most used lineup in basketball features Fred Van Vliet, and they're a plus 11 per 100 possessions. So, yeah. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get to the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out today's episode of the show. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, the single best place for you to go and play daily fantasy sports. You want to check them out because they are just doing daily fantasy the way it should be. It's not you against some expert in a basement that you have no idea what you're even dealing with, what matchup you're looking at, what their team is looking like. No, it's just you against the projections. And all you got to do is pick two to six players and whether they will get more or less than their projection via prize picks in a given stat. If you get all six right, you can win up to 25 times your money. That is pretty sweet. And right now, it's not just basketball. With the basketball season here and football season ongoing, you can now do combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League so you can combine projections for receptions and also points scored for any of your favorite NFL and NBA stars. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If you have someone get hurt in the first half of the game that doesn't return, then that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an Injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for your first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bones. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rounding out the show here with Jamar. I feel like it's been a hot episode. We're, 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 the juices are flowing, baby. That was a very irritating loss. I think in part because it kind of showed what some of the upside can be when things are kind of humming and uh, they kind of let it all fall apart. Let's get to the good, the bad, and the hmm. There was some good from this game. What did you have for your good from this game, Jamar? This might have been the quietest 30-point game of Pascal Siakam's career. I didn't yeah, even know he had 30 tight. points until I looked at the <laughs> box score. To be honest, I, I didn't know. I thought, honestly, if you if I watched this game again and someone told me that Pascal had like 18 points, 20 points, I'd have been like, yeah, that, that seems to check out. But no, he had a stretch, like I said earlier, in the second quarter that really helped the Raptors get back in the game. He was cooking in the mid-range. He was drawing fouls. He shot 11 for 11 from the line. And that is very noteworthy because the Raptors are the second worst free-throw shooting team in the league. Only Denver's worst, surprisingly, is Denver. Um, But yeah, they're the second worst free-throw shooting in the team, so you can't sneeze at 11 for 11. I thought Pascal had a really good game. I thought he should have got the ball more. I thought OG should have got the ball more, but we've talked ad nauseum as to why. <laughs> yes, I uh, loved Pascal's game. By the way, the regression, the positive regression to the mean began last night. One of one from deep. He's now at 21% from three on the season. Baby steps, baby. Uh, my good. Otto Porter Jr. Jr.'s scoreless 14 minutes of just simply being an adult on the floor offered great defensive integrity obviously teams got to worry about him as a spacer didn't hit his shots in this game don't care Otto porter jr is an agent for good when he is on the court a plus 14 in his 14 minutes uh if he starts hitting some of those threes as well 
it only gets better. And I was very encouraged after the game as well. Speaking of Darko, what he was saying after the game, things we can maybe take as, you know, as sort of progress or positivity going forward. He talked about Otto having a really good week of conditioning with the time off and that he'll probably be part of the mix going forward outside of the odd rest day here and there. Uh, said it's been a really good week for Otto, kind of getting back up to the speed of things, which is great to hear because Otto Porter Jr. is very effective when he plays. Uh, what was your bad from this game? You had a specific possession you highlighted. What was that possession? Yes, and you brought it up a little bit earlier, so I'm actually going to add a second bad, but Beauty. I'll go to that possession first. Yeah, it was the 97-92 possession with four and a half minutes left. Uh, Pascal had the ball first. He was in the corner. He gets trapped by Lowry and Duncan Robinson. Miami had two guys on Siakam, which means somebody's open, and that was Scotty in this possession. So that was just a very frustrating possession. And to be honest, I've never heard Matt Devlin, well, Matt Devlin specifically, because he's just Mr. Positivity, even if the Raptors are down 25 with three minutes left. He's like, if you could just string two two stops together or something like that. That's always Matt Devil. I'm going to love him for that. But, and Jack Armstrong, both of them were highly critical of Dennis in this game. Jack can be critical at times, but I've never <laughs> seen Matt Devlin consistently mention something <laughs> negative about a player. So that's your ultimate barometer on how somebody's playing, right? Now, my second, my second bad is that beginning of the third quarter, man. Yeah. Remember, the Raptors were up two at halftime. And then they went on a drought for six minutes and 26 seconds. They had six turnovers alone. And I this is not even something we can blame Dennis for. This was nope. everybody. Everybody yep. was just, I don't know what the hell they were doing. And yeah, Miami went on a 16-0 run just like that. And all of a sudden, they were back up double digits. And the Raptors, after working so hard to get back in the game in the first half, had to do it again. And they did in the, in the second half because they eventually tied the game before mm -hmm. everything went to hell in the last five minutes. But it's just, how do you come out of halftime like that? Just, they only had 14 turnovers in the game, but that six minute stretch alone, they had six turnovers. Yeah, it was a mess. And there were live ball turnovers. Ugly. It's not like passes sailing out of bounds or something. There was one charge where, Lowry, I don't even understand that charge to be honest, but I guess it's, it's Lowry, so it's a reputation call. But <laughs> most of these were live ball turnovers, which is obviously the worst type of turnover. And yeah, it was just, you can't, and again, it's, just add into the woes of the starting lineup, but you you can't come out of the half like that. Like, how did the switch get flipped off that badly? Where you were playing pretty well going into halftime, and then all of a sudden it's like you forgot how to play basketball in 15 minutes. This was kind of thing I was thinking about last night. It's got to be kind of daunting to coach against Eric Spolstra for the first time because that dude is constantly changing things up, and you got to be like lightning quick with adjustments. And I wonder if maybe that was sort of a like a welcome to the NBA moment, if you will, for Darko Ryakovich, because like the Heat were very clearly changing up their coverages. They were sending a, a doubles more aggressively. The sort of game plan seemed like it was tilted on its head. And I wonder if that's just a case of, wow, Spo's really good. And Darko wasn't quite ready for the Spo wave in that third quarter. My bad. Look, we've talked a lot about stuff we wish Darko did in this game. I kind of think the worst thing Darko's done all season long is the three-game winning streak dinner promise, or at least allowing that to get public. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And look, this is the thing. It's possible. I think this is actually the case. I think Darko is just like a truly earnest, genuine, extremely nice man who in this garbage world we live in is going to have that weaponized against him. 
because no one can just like accept like, oh, this guy's just really nice and like earnest and like wants to support his team with nice things. I, I think that's this is just a cold, cold world for extremely genuine and earnest people, I think. And so I feel bad a little bit that like a very nice seeming thing has kind of gotten turned into this point of, wow, the Raptors are embarrassing, but the cherry was put on top of the cake when the Miami heat posted on their Twitter. Don't worry. Team dinner's on us tonight with a clip, I think from like below deck or some show I haven't seen. Um, yeah. You go look at it on the heat's Twitter. It'll get you. Um, I love Darko. He seems just like a genuinely lovely person. That just might not be, uh, you know, up to speed with how the world typically treats genuine nice people. This is a world like everyone could stand to be 5% more like Darko, but instead we're going to make fun of these silly little things. Um, It's definitely the most Charlie Montoyo thing he's done so far as the head coach of the Raptors. I'll say that. Um, Love you, Darko. It's a learning process for everybody. Uh, The hmm. Let's quickly get to that. What you got for your hmm? I'm actually going to go to the 905 on this one. Okay. Kind of weird because Grady's had a few good, he's strung together a few good games. He's popping off, baby. So I'm interested to see when he would be implemented back in the lineup and if he is how he would be implemented back in the lineup. So, you know, obviously the last time I was on this pod, I was saying, is it time for him to go to the 905 to get some more reps in since he had just came off a of DMP the next day? It happened. So maybe we'll see, you know, how it works out now if they try to bring him back or they just keep him there for a little bit longer. We'll see. The way for him to be implemented to me is uh, in a lineup with Gary, Pascal, Scotty, and OG. Just go full shooting and full youth movement and full the future, baby. Uh, I am on board with that. Also, like I said earlier, sprinkle him into some bench lineups with Dennis and Yak as your backbone. That would be pretty cool to me as well uh my hmm is tied into that in lieu of grady dick Otto porter jr played with that foursome of players uh for a brief moment in this game and boy was it a banger of a lineup for a hot second it was part of the 8-0 run that closed the third quarter to get the raptors back very close in this one and you know i talked about it yesterday with katie they simply need to get more minutes with the big three plus gary they got a bit more of it last night and they've improved their overall numbers to a plus 35.6 net rating in 76 possessions together, which is simply not enough. we got to see more of it. And Otto Porter Jr. as the fifth guy in those groups, that's all right with me. I would love to see more of that. And it's a shame they didn't go back to that lineup that totally swung the game for them in the third quarter at any point in the fourth. But alas, we've complained enough. Ultimately... Some fun stuff from this game, some things to grow on, some things to get angry about. But is there a chance that this is a blessing in disguise game where it was such a bad night for Dennis and the starters, such a good game for Gary and Otto and the Gary plus four plus the three guys lineups? Maybe it is the thing that forces their hand to change up their starting lineup and alter their rotations a little bit. And perhaps, just perhaps, this is the loss that sparks the return of the good Raptors for the rest of the season. We shall see. If that plays out, Jamar, this was fun. Thanks so much for hanging out, buddy. You got anything you want to plug? My typical follow Jamar BH on Twitter. I have a recap to this game. If you want to see a little bit more complaining, if you want to read a little bit more complaining, I have vid- videos and writing. So <laughs> whatever tickles your fancy, it's there. I also have a preview of the Hornets game uh, tomorrow. Uh, no LaMelo ball for a little while, which is kind of a shame because he's been 
I think I thought he was playing the best basketball of his career before he injured his ankle again. Might need to talk to Steph Curry and Under Armour about you know, shoes because <laughs> it, it, it keeps happening and he's too talented to constantly be out of the lineup. So a little bit bummed about that. Yeah, uh, not necessarily a must win, but certainly a can't lose game for the Raptors on Friday. That would stink. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow, subscribe to, rate, review, support the show, however you can. It's much appreciated as always. We'll be back again tomorrow with guest TBD, but we are going to dig into the 10-year anniversary of the Rudy Gay trade. And are there any parallels we can draw between the 2013-14 Raptors and this Raptors team now existing 10 years later? We will do all of that tomorrow. Uh, until then, thanks so much for hanging. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.